welcome to Jumpstart Sessions. And uh, Kristen, I would love to hear a little bit about what you've got going on and uh, a little bit about your journey and your story. And then we'll, uh, we'll take it from there. Yeah, okay. Um, so I first got into film back in high school, actually. I, I accidentally went to the wrong class one day and it was a film class. So I dropped, I dropped my other class I was in and I just went for it and it was a lot of fun. Um, and then I like always dreamed of being like a wedding videographer. I thought it would be so much fun, but I didn't, I didn't have a camera. So I just saved up and here I am like five years later, but I did it. So, <laughs> um, so, you, yeah. so you're doing, so you're doing weddings then? Um, mostly weddings, but I've, I'm still new to this. I only started my business about a year ago. I filmed my first wedding just barely under a year ago. Okay. Um, and so I've been doing kind of like a little bit of commercial work and family lifestyle kind of stuff. Mission homecomings, really just someone needs a camera. Like I'll, I'll come and try it and film it. And yeah. So when you say five years, oh, what, sorry. what's five kind of the... Five years of saving up for a camera oh, and okay. trying to decide if I was going to do that or not. And I finally went for it last year. So I guess only, I've only been filming for a year. Sorry, okay. I should clarify that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, I, I just want to make sure where, where, what, what, what happened in those five years. Was it also, so were you oh. employed doing something else then or what um, was your. I, I was going to college trying to convince myself I should do something more realistic. And mm. so I was trying to figure out what to study but I really wasn't interested in anything else. Um, I, I also served a mission uh, for my church. So I lived in Argentina for a little okay. while. Um, and then I came back and I was like, you know, I'm gonna just, <laughs> I'm gonna go for it with the camera. I'm gonna get it and I'm gonna start my own business. So yeah. Got it. Okay, fantastic. You know, there's nothing that drives me more crazy than, um, that that being a way of thinking that has been normalized in our society where people, you know, make people think that, you know, a creative career, filmmaking, you know, video production, photography, design, art are these unrealistic unicorn things that only, you know, 0.1% of the, you know, the populace on earth, you know, could ever get to do that. Uh, to make a living, you know, and I, I went to a coffee shop. Well, there's a coffee shop locally to me and I would have conversations with this barista. And one day she kind of started tearing up and she's like, you know, nobody, nobody's really spoken to me this way. And nobody really kind of understands me. She goes, I go out with my, my boyfriend um, and, and his friends and they're kind of doctors and lawyers and whatnot. And we go to dinner and they go, so what are you going to do? And she's like, well, I want to be a photographer. And they're like, that's nice. So, so what are you really going to do? And that just yeah. kills me inside when, when people, um, you know, when that's happened, when, when that's happening. And, and it sounds like probably too, for you, those, those five years were less about coming up with the money for five years and more about you trying to pursue this realistic thing. And then finally mm -hmm. your heart said, I got to do this video thing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so it didn't take five years to get money to get the camera. It no. took five years to make the decision that you got to follow your heart, probably. Yeah, that's definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So in the last year, then, mm -hmm. what, um, do you, I mean, do you have a job right now? Or what's what's currently going on with the business? What's that looking like? And, you know, what's kind of your situation? 
Uh, I am currently just doing film. So I I had a job. It was a temporary job, though. So it was like a contract contracted position for two years, and it just finished in January. Okay. So rather than getting another job, I just said, well, I'll just I'm just gonna go for this full time. And uh, the first few weeks, I didn't really have a lot of clients, but I've picked up a lot, and it's been a lot of fun. Okay, so you've been getting, you definitely been getting work and getting clients and getting are they paying jobs then as well for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Fantastic. So what then, I mean, just out of curiosity, um, I'll keep digging and asking questions, but sometimes kind of can get to the, you know, when I posted this, I don't know how much you ended up getting listened to at a time here or whatnot, but what, what would be something that you would really hope to get out of this? Something that's kind of either frustrating you or, uh, you, you need that little jump start in a specific area. What, what's something that you hope that you can get out of today on the call? Yeah. Um, let's see. Now my mind is in blank. Um, no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, I feel like I, so last year, like just this last year, I've really just taken any gig I can get for like fairly reasonable prices, pretty low, to be honest, just mm-hmm. trying to get experience. Sure. I feel like I no, have no. a lot of experience now under my belt. I mean, it's only one year, but I feel like I'm ready to start trying to figure out how to like market people and how, where to put my pricing. And I don't know. That's probably like my biggest struggle, I guess. Okay. So, so tell me this. Cause I mean, I, there's, there's zero shame in the process that you've been taking. I think sometimes there's mm-hmm. things out there where there can be this shame around I'm charging low rates or I'm doing things for free or I'm doing anything for everybody. Um, there's, there's these seasons. I mean, we need to experiment. We need to try things. We need to figure out, well, I really like that. I don't like that. The problem that can happen is that happens indefinitely. And so it just doesn't go away. And then a year passes and then two year passes and then four year passes and then eight years passes. And you're still just randomly doing anything for anybody who asks, you know, happens to find out about you and is like, Hey, do you make videos? And you're like, yeah. And you're like, I'll do it. And it's for $500 still eight years in, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, and you're, you're potentially overwhelmed. Now you're being overworked because when you get to those rates, if you start to get really good, of course, at what you do as well, there will be a lot of people that will want to work with you. And then you start to run out of time in a day to uh, do everything. And then some of the creative juices start to, to go down because you can't keep up. And maybe some of the jobs are amazing, but some of the jobs you're just going through the motions because somebody's willing to give you money um, to do something. And, and rather than to have that confidence or that courage or that belief to know what you really want to do or what you stand for, you just say yes to everybody. And one of the concepts you may or not have heard me talk about is this kind of master chef versus kind of an order taker or a fast food restaurant, right? You know, you don't go to the fast food joint and just tell them, make them whatever you want. You know, you, you tell them you want the number two or the number one or the this and add this or take this away and you just give them your order. They make the order and they give it to you. And I think a lot of creatives get into it to not just, um, app for the long haul. Now in the beginning, it, it's all fun. I mean, I'll never forget having me and my two buddies when I started my company drive eight hours and be gone for the whole day. And, you know, we were paid $250 and we kind of had to split three ways. Um, you know, we had so much joy in that. I mean, I have so many fond memories of that, but in the big picture for the long haul, that becomes a uh, potentially unsustainable thing. Um, when there are certain levels of 
you know, living expenses and things we have to have. I still lived in my parents' basement at that point in time. So, you know, my, my needs were low. If I mean, we made $800 in a month, I, I was, I was more than fine, you know, but if you want to have a family and you get married and all these things, you know, just taking on jobs that still might take you two weeks to complete. Um, It just, it isn't a long-term sustainable model. And so um, one thing that I would ask you is that if right now we could have a a wonderful magic wand and, you know, and uh, have your business look how you could dream it to be, but might not know how that'd be possible yet. um, Do you have any dreams right now of like, if I could just do this, um, you know, is that weddings? I mean, if, if, if we could get you to a hundred thousand dollars a year, just shooting weddings, um, you know, how would that feel to you? Or do you really have a deep desire to film all sorts of different things? And what are some of those things? Um, I, I feel like just life events in general, mm-hmm. I've enjoyed more. I started doing some commercial work that I'm working on right now for like an electric company mm-hmm. and it's a lot of fun, but I think, I find that I feel more driven and more passionate about what I'm doing when it is like, like, like a life event. Like I filmed a quinceanera the other day and like, that was so much fun. Like, I know it's not a wedding, but like kind of like those types of events. I I just love being there and capturing like the emotion behind Mm, it. For sure. Well, Mm -hmm. the the thing is, you know, you took that little uh, assessment ahead of time and uh, we're wired similarly. Um, mm-hmm. now that, that thing doesn't, isn't a defining factor for one's success or not success or any other things that, but there are patterns in that, that can lead someone where, you know, super structured corporate step-by-step do a bunch of pre-production, do a script, you know, storyboard things, you know, all that, um, for someone like yourself or someone like me, more times than none isn't, isn't super exciting. Um, yeah. like for the long, it's just, our brain doesn't, doesn't work that way. We like people, we like connection, we like emotion, um, and live events in general, um, have tons of that. And you get to be mm-hmm. more in the moment rather than I've got to sit in front of my computer for the next three hours and figure out what words to type out so that this person can say the right things on their scripted video. Um, yeah. and, and so, so knowing that, that's where one of the things that you'll want to potentially start thinking about or start doing is anytime things like that come into your, uh, you know, place of opportunity, you know, to, to, to do a video that is not going to be you showing up to a live event is potentially something that you don't say yes to. Um, Mm -hmm. because, there's going to be a million ways that you can make money within video production and in a lot of creative fields. I mean, there are a lot of ways that one can make money, but when you can find kind of your zone of genius, your sweet spot, that's where you're going to do the best work because somebody's your opposite personality who doesn't really love the in the moment live action, you know, uh, more pressure potentially as well. Right. Versus I get to plan this out and we're getting actors and we're, we're putting all these things. We can do the take 18 times rather than the first kiss happens once. Um, and so there's somebody else who they're better suited for that kind of work. And so what I found through my career, when I was kind of the, you know, if you're the Jack or Jill of all, all trades and you just anything with a pulse that you can point a camera at, you'll do 
because, you know, you could or you can. It's not that you're incapable or incompetent. It's just a matter that there's a higher probability for procrastination. There's a higher probability for not doing, not that you won't do your best, but you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to do the best because it's just not as well suited for you. And so what I found is, is when my business really um, took off is when elimination became uh, one of the major things I did rather than addition. So I went in the first part of my career. I did anything for everybody. I shot funerals, dance recitals, graduations, did photo montages. I transferred VHS to DVD. I mean, I did anything you could do in the realm of kind of video. And it was fun for, for a while. And then it became overwhelming. Then it became stressful. Then it became less enjoyable because what happens is, is, is contrast. The more you experience things that you know you really like, then the more these other things you potentially start to dislike. So in the beginning, it's all kind of equal because you're just excited that somebody's actually willing to give you money to do this creative thing. And so that's, that's fun in the beginning. And then as you start going on, you go, wow, it'd be nice to do more of this. The thing is, is that anytime we do anything, there can be someone who who likes what it is that we do. Even if we didn't really fully enjoy the process, we're not the best at it or whatever, somebody else doesn't know that. They just see something and go, oh, I, I like that. That looked nice. Who did that for you? Oh, Kristen did that for me. Hey, Kristen, mm-hmm. I saw what you did for such and such. You think you could do that for us? And then the cycle can begin, which is, oh, crap, okay. Uh, yeah, I can do that for you. And in your head, you're going, oh, gosh, here we go again. You know, And, and, then, and then that can perpetuate. And so the more aware you are that there's a certain direction you'd like to go, then the more you need to lean in that direction and also need to, you know, learn that wonderful word that's two letters of no, um, or Mm -hmm. still being able to, you know, make relationships. I got tons of business through the years from uh, referrals, not referrals from like clients, but referrals from other vendors, because I believe that when we can really, one, it's a powerful selling tool because ironically, you know, people don't really like to be sold to. And number two, when you're pretty much willing to say no to something, you're obviously not really per se selling somebody. And they, they, their trust goes up as well because they don't feel sold to. A person who's a yes person, and it's like, no matter what they say, you're like, I can do that. There's a level of something's a little off there um, that I think people can feel. Uh, they might not be able to fully know, but there's also something they can feel when somebody's saying, you know what, if that's really what you want, um, I'm not the right fit for you. And I have X, Y, and Z that I could refer you to. Um, Mm -hmm. And it becomes a powerful thing to be able to do that. And I've had so many stories throughout my career of doing just that and how one could normally, if your confidence and self-esteem is lower, it'd be normal for you to just go, Well, if I just keep my mouth shut, because here's, well, let me digress for a second. There's one nugget I want to add in is that you can take clients who quite frankly, most times don't really know what they want. And so they may have seen something, um, not necessarily from you. And that's what they bring to the table that they want. But if you have a power and confidence in what you personally do best and what you're great at, I've had it where, you know, the normal thing would be just go keep your mouth shut, say, is that what you want? Yes, I can do that. And, you know, what do you want to pay potentially? And they're like, I'll pay this. And you're like, okay. And you're like, boom, I got a job. 
you know, but <laughs> if you start to kind of do the opposite and say, well, if that's really what you want, I don't do that. And you know, here's what we charge and things like that. Uh, if your confidence isn't high in what you do, then you can start to really get really, really scared and be like, I'm probably losing that job. And there's a probability you might as well. But I've found that when you can get certain in what you're excellent at and what you can't stand for and how you do your work and really show up as more of a trusted advisor and guide and a friend for somebody rather than just saying yes to everything that they, they, they want, but rather I've had it where, I mean, there's an event we just filmed for the seventh year in a row and year one, when they came to me, they said, the guy I talked to said, I spent three months looking for a videographer. I've pretty much chosen one. But now you came out of nowhere and my owner said, I got to talk to you. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's a wonderful way to start the conversation. So my <laughs> chances are probably slim of getting this job because they've already sound like you've pretty much chosen someone. He's just going through the motions now of speaking to me. Um, mm-hmm. And then number two, what he described that he wanted, I, I, I was at a stage in my life where I knew, yeah, I'm competent and I'm capable. I could do what he's describing to me. I don't want to do it. And I'm not great at that. Like it's, it's just not where my sweet spot is. So I, I did that just that I described, this is not what I'm best at. If that's really what you need, I'm, I'm probably not the right fit. And then I went on to describe what I do, who I've done it for, why I do it that way. Well, I'm passionate about doing it that way. And, um, and that was it. And, and they ended up hiring me not to do what they originally thought they wanted, but for me, and they didn't even end up doing that at all. They did what I did and what I did best and what I would be able to serve them at the highest level and that I had a blast doing. And then we've done that for, for seven years for them. And we've been able to take that and have some additional things on and take that from a $3,700 project to a $10,000 project over the last few years. Um, and And so it's a powerful thing when you can get to that place. Now, you still may be building up your confidence and your self-esteem and what you're doing and your experience and and these things, but it's just a, it's a, it's a compass for you to to work towards. So if live events are that, that thing that really lights you up or weddings, also from a marketing perspective, when you talk about marketing, the more clarity we have about who we'd like to work with, the kind of work we'd like to do. Um, the easier marketing can become because you're not sitting there kind of just sitting back hoping that any old random thing comes knocking down your email box or your messenger box or whatever and, and asks you know you to do this, but you can more intentionally go out. Now, you being quote-unquote more wired like me, um, you have an easier time being able to potentially connect with people, talk to people build relationships, uh, make friends, and, and these kind of things. You're not a person who leans to the introversion side where, like, meeting people and connecting is, is uh, uh, more like my wife, you know, in the most <laughs> loving way. But my wife is the opposite of me. So when she came to this event this last week, it is astronomically draining for her to put on a smile eight hours a day. And not that she hates people and all this stuff but her natural thing is to i mean she's an artist she loves to just create be in her own little world alone you know and that's more the Mm -hmm. editor type you know the person who really prefers this doesn't mean they don't like people doesn't mean they can't make friends but it's like if they have a preference they'd rather be in front of their computer they should rather be in front of her um crafting you know her uh glue gun and all those kind of things, you know, and crafting rather than she would be talking to the phone, right? Just to bring up Parker that we mentioned earlier, 
you know, Parker has zero desire to do what I am doing with you right now. Zero. Mm -hmm. I have zero desire to do what he does. <laughs> I, I, like, to, to, to script out videos and, you know, record video after video after video, week after week after week, study Facebook ads, type things out, script them, record via teleprompter, you know, and, and, and as a collective whole, not interact with people, that is soul-sucking to me. Yeah, um, right. And I can see just from the split second that you react to that, you know, that that's the same for you. And so knowing that leans you in the direction of knowing things like that are things you need to not even consider that, yes, there's could be money there. There's tons of money there, but there won't be tons of money for Kristen because it's not something you'll sustain long term because you won't really enjoy it long term. We can all do anything and, 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 and willpower our way through just about anything. But if we're having to willpower our way through it, the likelihood that we sustain it for the long haul, I hear all these people, I want to be like Parker. I want to have a course. I want to have this community. I want to make millions of dollars a month or whatever. The thing is, Parker's discipline and focus and commitment and consistency um, for the last, um, you know, three and a half, four years now is unparalleled to 99% of the population. They can't commit to anything that long. And mostly the commitment is because they're also, if you get people like us getting sold into the idea of, oh, a, a lifestyle business, a course business, a scalable business, you know, these things where, oh, I just work once and then I'll be able to sell it and I'll make all this money and I can do whatever I want. Well, my goal for people is that you do whatever you want anyways every day. And it's doing something like I genuinely enjoy being on this call with you right now. This is something I love to do and have built my life to where this is an activity that I do on the regular and I make a living doing that. When I did weddings, it was the same, like doing these live events. When it became clear to me that that was the thing to do, then that's what I did. And I didn't take on the corporate training video that you know involved three days of shooting and all this pre-production and just sitting in a room redoing things over and over again and hearing per a person talk to the camera like that just was so draining to me and um so yeah so what what's that all uh i'll stop there for a second get off my my soapbox <laughs> <laughs> and uh what, what what's resonating what's sitting with you what's a yeah but what are some questions that kind of pop up after hearing all that yeah um i feel like i've started to discover that a lot for myself like I said just recently since I got the um the job with the electric company I and in contrast filmed the quinceanera like I said just this last Saturday and I was working on editing it and I I kind of tend to put off the the corporate one and want <laughs> to work on you know and I'm like I can see myself doing it and I'm like oh, okay I gotta like work on it so I've already yeah I can definitely see that myself um, I think now that if I can recognize that, then like, where do I go from here? Like, how do you recommend marketing, like leaning in, like you said, and marketing in your targeted area you want to do? Yeah. So the great thing about you is, is that from a business perspective, there's a lot more, cause I mean, a lot I'm getting into, you know, mindset with people and a, a lot more soft skills rather than the tangible tactical things. Because for me, um, I mean, outside of honestly, what I've really seen outside of relationships, um, cause that's been one of my biggest things through the years is building relationships and opening up doors. But I'll, mm -hmm. I have one aspect within video production, which you're going to be able to use and thrive with 
that is tactical and because you're in alignment with it, I'm more willing to give it because what I don't do is give any tactics to someone who comes in, just says they want to do weddings. And as I start to probe, they never shoot a wedding in their life if they didn't need money. But they think that weddings are a path and they are, and they can be one of the easier paths, but it's not an easy path if you wake up every day going, I dread shooting a wedding. Um, And there are people like that. And so I've had people who, once I got them in alignment for what kind of work was right for them, I don't need to give them all the tactics of what to do because honestly, there's a million tactics and strategies out there. It's just a matter of if I'm, if you go learn them for something that's out of alignment with you, how much action do you think you'll take towards something you don't really want to do? Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. Right. So if I call if, 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 if you thought, well, you know, the corporate thing is, you know, it's working out and you know, I, I need Mm -hmm. to figure out how to get some more corporate jobs. So if I just went straight to tactical things with corporate jobs, the likelihood you're going to probably not do too well because most of those mm-hmm. things you won't be very willing to do. But all oh, this Michael guy or whoever the heck you learned from told me that's that's the way. That's what I got to do. And for me, I did the same kind of procrastination and everything else. Right? I put off everything but the most immediate thing and the most thing I was most excited about. And the, it was usually always the corporate because they had these weird, you know, oh, I don't need this till two months from now. Okay, well then, you know. 60 days is two months. So, you know, 20, uh, 58 days in, I'm finishing things up, <laughs> you know, and because there's a deadline. I'm like, well, they'll never hire me again if, uh, if I don't do this, you know, but now I've got everything else done and I would prioritize that way. Um, but anyway, so let's talk about the fact that live events are something you want to do. So would you say that, I mean, honestly, if you could, um, I don't even know what your number is, but we'll just throw out hundred for easy math, but uh, if you can make $100,000 shooting quinceaneras and, and weddings this coming, you know, 12 to 24 months, I mean, would that be pretty awesome for you? Oh, yeah, I would love it. I, I just come home from those on like a high, like I just, I am so excited to start editing it. And oftentimes, I'm able to even turn it around in like with it, if it's a shorter video, like a mission homecoming, I can do it in 24 hours. And I love it because they freak out and they get it. They're more excited to share it because it just happened. For and sure. I, then I feed off that energy again and get excited to film another time. And so I just, I love, yes, I could do that for. <laughs> I Perfect. Do that. Perfect. So there we go. So, so let me ask you this, how, uh, anything I ever ask, there's, you'd be as open as you want to be, um, you know, uh, but what is your, need for, are, are, I believe I saw a wedding photo. So are you married? You're married, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So what is your, I don't know your situation, financial share as much as little, you don't have to get into numbers, but do you personally need to make a certain amount of money right this second to maintain you and your husband's life? Uh, not r- really. Um, we're kind of going through a lot of changes right now. Like he just actually just got a job today. Like oh, his first congratulations. Yeah, cool. he's graduating in a month and he got his job. Um, so he's he's been really sweet. We've kind of just cut back and he's been like, hey, just go for your business. You got to start somewhere. And we've been relying on his paycheck. But like eventually, I think we'll want a house and stuff. Oh, for so. sure. Well, and that's, yeah, <laughs> so, okay. Well, that's yeah. fine. It's just these little nuances are why I love one-on-one because the advice I give shifts just ever so slightly based on these little things. Um, uh-huh. Because 
if let's say you were single now and already had a house, you'd say, I want to be a wedding videographer and you know, I, I need $6,000 a month to survive. Well, yeah. your, your decision-making process and things you may need to do are a little bit different than what your current situation is. And so, mm-hmm. and then the clarity that I believe that you may have already started to have, and maybe hopefully we, we uh, got even clearer here in the last 20 minutes, but um, can, can have you then to me eliminate anything and everything that isn't in alignment, one with a live event and two more than likely in the kind of uh, wedding and event space um, because you don't need it. You don't need to take on any random thing that isn't in alignment with that. Like you don't, I mean, once you complete whatever you have on your plate, take good care of them, do your best. Um, you don't need to take anything else on like that. It's just unnecessary yeah. because there's no, there is no need. It's not like you have a bunch of them coming in and you need the money. And so it's like, well, okay, I know I'm working towards this, but in the interim, because this is what I would tell other people, um, in the interim, I'm still as if they, I'm not going to seek them, but if they fall into my lap, I'm still going to do them for the moment because I do need this cash to maintain my, my family, my kids, everything. And so I'm not going to go after them, but if they come, I'm going to do them and I'm going to go after X. I'm going to go after what I really want in my, in my mm-hmm. mental spare time outside of that. But because you don't need it, then there's no need for you to, to say yes at all to them. There's no more, you don't need to experiment 80 times to figure out that the live event world is a world that you would thrive in, that you could do very well in, and that you would have a blast doing. And so, mm-hmm. um, so from that aspect, some of the things to consider doing, um, is that, um, Honestly, I mean, you've already mentioned sometimes I could turn these around in 24 hours. One thing that I would heavily have you consider is that uh, same-day edits, on-site edits for things. Because when I actually originally got into the non-wedding space and was at a bunch of you know thought leader speakers and conferences and all that, I honestly was just trying to gain access to their events and not pay $3,000 fee. So I offered up my video services but the only service I offered up was basically an on-site edit. So I would, you know, do my best to consume what I could consume. I would shoot B-roll and then I would edit in my spare time and I would have a video, a two to three minute highlight video, just with music and clips, no testimonials or anything. And I would show that at the, before the closing keynote at the event, uh, whether it was a one day or three day, whatever. And I would do that. And, and the goal was because, okay, I'm not getting paid. So... I don't want to have anything else to do once I leave this. I only want to have the one, three, four days I'm gone or whatever at this event be my commitment. And then when I walk away, I'm done with that thing. Now, ironically, my intent was not to make any money or get work off these people. It was just to gain access to the events. But it had, an I would say, an adverse. (laughs) My bank account had a very great effect because over the course of about a year, I mean, my primary. So for me, when I started some of this process around 2011 to 2012, my primary income was already off of weddings, actually. And so I was just going to a bunch of these events over a couple of years, and I would say 90% of them. I don't know how, I can't give you an exact number. I, it wasn't 20 or 30. It was probably, I don't know, four to eight, maybe 10 on the highest end uh, over those couple of years that I had gone to that I would do these on site edits. And then people would be there, they would see it, they would go, I want you to do that for my thing. And then over time, these things started to happen where I ended up getting paid to go to all these conferences and events. And I was getting paid anywhere between, on average, it was on probably $3,500 to $10,000 to 
um, to, to do these events. And for a while all I would do was a music video type of edit. And then I got better and more skilled at being able to acquire interviews and testimonials. And then I would never edit those. I had, I just, those, that type of editing was also very drudgery for me, even though it came from a live event. I loved the live event, but going back and listening to two hours of testimonials and figuring out what are the best two minutes out of these two hours to make into this video. I was just my, I yeah. wasn't great at that, uh, yeah. but it allowed me to charge. I mean, that was literally the difference between getting, you know, we went from like 3,700 to 3,900 to 4,200 on this one live event we've done for seven years. Then we went to like 9,500 and then we went to over 10,000. And that jump was simply because we added in doing the interviews and testimonials. They had another crew. I mean, ironically, when I told you about this people earlier, it was the one that I sold them just doing a same day edit. That was the only thing. We got $3,700, show up there for three days. At the end, we showed a video. I gave them all my B-roll on a hard drive, and I walked away from the event until next the next year. And then they took the B-roll and the testimonials that another team, not even my own team, not even anybody I referred, got and made a video with my b-roll and those testimonials well then that team something happened and they they didn't even ask me to do it they just said do you know anybody who could do this xyz happened with this team well i was at a different stage in my life i said well as a matter of fact we do that now for a lot of events and so then boom we went from 4200 to almost ten thousand dollars by while we were there instead of just filming b-roll and making one edit we filmed b-roll and then did testimonials as well um, and so that was a skill set in that world that allowed me to get those higher, higher rates, um, by, you know, doing interviews and testimonials, but they're still on, on site and there wasn't a lot of prep again. It was just the editing of them. I had to get help. Um, but there was plenty of budget to pay 400 to $800 for an edit, um, for me to not have to touch it and for somebody else to do it after the fact. So my commitment was only to the day of. So that was a little bit of how my trajectory happened in the event conference world. Now for weddings, if I am telling people, and, and here's the thing again, you know, what I'm about to give you, I've seen some do very few at times do because, and this is an example of, um, at times I believe we know what to do and it's back to that. A lot of times we just don't want to do it. Um, and, and so, um, in the wedding world, the biggest accelerant I've seen is when you have people really love you that day and they think, oh my gosh, it's so awesome, da, 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 but they don't really know what you do. And yes, putting it online 24 to 40 hours later, that's a huge win, 100%. No matter what, I wouldn't change that aspect. The one thing I would add to it is you know, make sure it's shared on your fan page and make sure that then they share it from that. And then number two, I would encourage to spend 10 or $20 on that wedding at least and boost it, but not just boost it generically, but go in, you know, through the ad manager and have it be a 22 to 29 year old female within a 10 mile radius or 20 mile radius on probably the max of where you live. Um, and then make sure, you know, in the little copy you put there, there's some little call to action that you kind of can do this and, you know, you, you send them to a, a contact form or something. Um, but that's a simple way with what you're already doing and putting it up a few days later and just adding that little extra. So some extra people see that wedding, right? That becomes mm -hmm. your own little demo reel. Not I have to shoot 10 of them and then I put a video together and then that's what they see. Uh, you know, I know that there's people that succeed with that. I'm not discouraging anyone from putting a demo reel together, but through the years 
I hadn't put a demo reel together since 2009 or 10. And um, because all my videos were two to four minute highlight type of videos, and those became all my demo reels. Like it was, you know, it was an easy video to watch. And um, because no matter who we did something for, business, brand, or bride, it was that style that became my niche, even though it was kind of the event world was really my niche. If, if you were to hire me, I mean, if it was a birthday party and at the time I would get hired to do a birthday party when I was really clear and you're going to pay the money, like I would have filmed your birthday party the same way I'd filmed the Tony Robbins event. Um, I mean, it might not look the same on certain levels, but the overall approach of how I would approach shooting it and editing it would be similar. Um, mm-hmm. And that became really my style became my niche more than, you know, I shoot in the real estate industry or I shoot in whatever industry. Um, it became the style of work that I did and the style of work I did for weddings was able to be applied, um, in a lot of ways, but then it transitioned. I mean, the exact style transitioned to the same kind of thing I would do for Tony Robbins video or for, uh, any of the events we did. And so, um, so for weddings, the thing that I would suggest is that, if it's something you really want to do, then in the beginning, yes, doing as many for whatever prices you can get are more advantageous than even if you thought your work was amazing and you immediately started getting paid $3,000. Um, what I see, at least in a lot of my experience through the years, is people going, I've been filming weddings for three years. I, I film like three weddings a year for 3000 Okay. My next question is, do you really want to do weddings? Like, yeah, I love doing weddings. I'm like, well, you'd you'd do better in the wedding industry if you would have been filming 30 weddings in a year for $1,000 rather than filming three for 3000 Sure, maybe you don't indefinitely do 30 or or whatever. And, you know, that's only, quote, unquote, 30 grand versus, heck, you're third of the way there with way less, quote, unquote, work with getting 3000 But, yeah, we're three years in and you're still having a hard time getting more than three weddings because they may have gotten – 25 leads and they only were able to book three um, because they're really, it's not, you're not able to one. I mean, I always used to joke with this with my wife. It's like, I really love my wife. I don't want to see her, you know, three times a week or three times a year. I don't, I would see my wife almost every day, really. Um, and so, you know, there's differing levels of things that we may love and how much we want that thing. But for me, you can't love something too much if you only want to do it three times a year. Um, you know, what are you doing the rest of the time? Now, some people are out there and get paid 10 or 20 or $30,000 and maybe they only do do four or five weddings a year. Um, but when you're growing your brand, you're growing your reputation, you're building your confidence. Um, you know, it's better to do more of something than to do less of something, you know? And so, uh, to me, if I were starting from ground zero and could immediately have almost the quality that I know that I got capable of and knowing what I know now, but having quote unquote, no relationships, no reputation. And, you know, I have hardly shot any, then the thing I would start doing is seeking out those around me that I do know. See if anybody of course is getting married in your inner, inner circle of people, friends, family, you know, um, church, wherever you may be and see what's going on there. And then the next tier is that a lot of the avatar, a lot of the marketing is, is, which is why a lot of people love weddings is done for you, right? If you, the electric company, well, unless you wanted to just shoot for electric companies, now it's like, okay, well, 
talked to this person from the electric company, but kind of came randomly. So how would I get more work like that? And then you don't know because you have no focus. And so you're like, well, I don't know who, who would I talk to and where would I meet them and how would I find them? But with weddings, you know that nine times out of 10, it's a female, like at least for my years and most people I've talked to, I think there's more <laughs> males coming along that you, you might interact with who might be planning the wedding. But 80-20 rule says that 80 plus percent of the people you're going to interact with is a female who's engaged, probably between the ages of 22 to 29 years old. Are there people who get married earlier? People get married later? Yeah. The later, there's, now people are getting married later. I, I got married when I was 30. Um, but the higher and higher it starts to get above that, there's a higher probability that, that person possibly has been married a couple times, in all honesty. Not to pass judgment, but if they're 40 getting married, there's the exception is a person who's just getting married for the first time at 40. The rules probably if you're getting married at 40, 45 years old, you might have been divorced once or twice and you're getting married again. Um, but your, your first time getting married, most likely to hire a, uh, or spend more money on vendors are the people in their, you know, you know, little mid to late 20s, you know, that 22 to 25 to 29, 30, 31 years old. And so from there, you know, yes, being able, I just saw a guy actually in full-time filmmaker and I, it looks like they're not running now, but you know, he was running uh, an ad to a landing page that essentially had a couple full films on it. And then it said 50% off their bookings right now, starting at 3000. Well, that means he's booking these at 1500 bucks. So it's a creative way because everybody likes to save a buck of booking $1,500 weddings, right? Rather than saying he's 1500 and trying to book them at 1500. He's saying, Oh my gosh, I'm 50% off. And uh, at least what he was acting like, he was booking them like gangbusters. And I've seen people do well with running some ads if you've got some solid work that you can post and you can do that simple, you know, 22 to 29 female who's engaged in a 10 mile radius. That is a way uh, it may or may not be, depending on the time of the year, more or less effective. Um, but outside of the friends and family, the next year and not necessarily the, the ad one is really you've got vendors. So you've got photographers, you've got florists, you've got reception halls, you've got churches. These things starting around April through October uh, have weddings almost every weekend. Um, and so building relationships. I mean, I booked one that's just popping to mind a little, little off topic, but on topic. I had been doing weddings for a number of years, but this one uh, videography company kept coming up in conversations. Their name was Schweitzer Film. And um, I thought what the heck i'm called Schweitzer films i went to their website called the phone number and i asked for the owner and um the guy who had answered wasn't the owner he was a little odd on the phone he was i, I heard him he didn't quite mute me and he was like hey this gibbs guy's on the phone like what do you want me to do i'm like okay but then the joe guy who owns the company got on the phone real friendly and i said yeah i hear you guys all the time been doing this for a number of years and i just want to see if you guys be willing to do lunch a week later we got together for lunch a week after that they sent me a lead i booked my first four thousand dollar wedding um, cause I had this confidence to go, well, if they referred me, they're like $8,000. So, you know, maybe I could try if they were willing to book them at eight. I mean, four, that's a heck of a deal. And so I was charging between like 2,500 and three at the time. So I thought, you know, I'm gonna try this out. <laughs> and, uh, mm -hmm. and I did and I, and I got it, but that was from a videographer competition. And so, um, in the beginning, I didn't know what I'm doing. So again, I know all that I know now. So I was just like, I was in bridal shows. I was in wedding wire type of sites. I was on free sites online. I was going to uh, magazines. And I would say that um, when I was really cheap, like my average was under $1,000, the bridal shows were okay. 
Um, when I started to get much beyond that, I didn't do as well at them. Um, I would one say, no matter what, get yourself on all the sites, not necessarily pain, but just put a listing up, just get a listing up on the different sites, put them there. I'm not guaranteeing that's going to give you much of anything, but it's good to just have yourself in these different places. Cause if people start looking around on these sites and they can come across your name, that is a good thing that they're just seeing you in multiple places. But I would suggest just making connections with vendors. And, and, and the thing is you can use the vendor as a strategic partner. So what you can do is, is that, um, cause it's better to be doing weddings at least on Saturdays that you're like, if you wanted to do these, you wanted to get paid to do them, then Saturdays are going to pass every Saturday for the rest of time. Um, and so in more or less during prime seasons, weddings are happening within 30 minutes to an hour of you every single weekend. And so, um, and to the best of my knowledge from multiple people I've seen 40 plus percent of weddings still do not have a videographer at them. And so you have a high probability that if you connect with different vendors that they're going to have a wedding and they're going to have an upcoming wedding in the next few months or earlier that doesn't have a videographer at them. And so you can offer to say, hey, I'd love to because what I would do is, is I would shoot and I had people into paying me for this as well. Uh, but to use it strategically is I mean, I had photographers through the years who paid me to uh, make a promo video for them. And so some of the times it was like, I didn't have a wedding going on and I'd go to a wedding or two and film them. Um, sometimes I was just at weddings that they were at and I'd get extra footage of them. So one of the things you can do for say, and what you'd want to do is look up people that are either photographers or venues or things that you would love to either work with or work at. And so then from there, you know, like I said, weddings are happening. Then you can show up, shoot all the footage for that person. And then also attempt to make a on-site edit for that couple. So they, you're not doing anything else. You didn't have to worry about filming the full ceremony, the full reception, getting audio, having the speeches or any of that. You just would shoot B-roll and you would make a you know, highlight video of their wedding day. And then you would show that at the reception. And um, then you would put it online. And if you wanted, you could take another step and do the little ad thing with it. Um, but that would be the thing. And then you would make this video for the photographer, for the venue. And, and even the weddings you have coming up, it would be something I would suggest anyways. Filming extra footage of the photographer, filming a little extra footage of, of the flowers or the venue and, and taking a little bit of time. They don't have to be things that take you two, three, four hours to put together, but finding a, a cool song and taking and making clips 30 to 60, 90 seconds and gifting that to the person, you know, gifting that to the photographer, gifting that to the, the venue with no expectation that they're going to do anything with you. I had a guy that I was at a live event once, a bunch of speakers, and I shot extra, extra footage more than I would need for the highlight for just the event of each speaker. Well, then I had a few that I really, I was like, man, I would love to work with these people. Um, and I just made little 60, 90 second little B-roll edits. I mean, they were really simple to put together. It was just them on stage, just cool little shots and people in the audience. And that was it. Gave it to them. One guy I did that for in 2012, spent almost seven grand with me in 2016 and 17. So five years later, but he didn't forget me. Um, and we kept in touch. And that's the thing. If you know that you could see yourself for five or 10 years doing live events, weddings, conferences, that's something that's just going to happen anyways. The hardest part is this next 12 to 24 months. Um, that is the most difficult time because it's the time that you either go, 
yeah, this isn't working out quite much. I guess I need to go get a job or I need to do something else and you quit. Or it's the, excuse me, the time you push through. And then all of a sudden now there's somebody that sees you that you do a wedding for in two weeks that is at that wedding that is single who loved seeing you that day. Maybe they even came up and said hello. They saw the video. They loved it. And they thought, one day when I get married, I'm calling Kristen. And then what happens? Three years later, you're still doing weddings. They call Kristen. Uh, but if three yeah. years later, you're not doing weddings anymore, they might look for Kristen, but Kristen isn't there, so they find somebody else. Um, but then the longer you're in the game, the easier game gets because of exactly that. There's somebody from a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, two years, however then long you're doing it, that is now ready to hire you. Um, and it just takes time. And I had somebody sign up for coaching with me that found me in 2014. They never... I didn't even know they existed until 2020 and they never gave me any money in that period of time. But then six years passed and here I am doing this and now is the right time. Um, and so over this next time, the thing you want to do is in the area that you'd like to be, you want to kind of plant as many seeds as you can. So that's why whether they're free or cheap or whatever you got to do, doing as many weddings as you can in these next couple of years and planting these seeds and building these relationships and just being the awesome person that you are and being passionate about what you do over these next coming years. Then and I have, let's see if I can look it up here. Yep. Okay, cool. While I'm talking, you still hear me? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm looking up um, really quickly, this image that a guy, I had done a, a session like this a while back and he had sent me something and he said, um, Year one, he did eight weddings for an average of $400 a wedding. Year two, 14 weddings, an average of $900 a wedding. Year three, 18 weddings at an average of $1,200 a wedding. Now, I had a call like this with him. At the time, he had about 11 weddings, and he was getting about $1,600 or $1,800 um, for that year with the weddings. And the push was, okay, we, you can do more. Like, you've already got this many Let's get your, your confidence is there. You got a lot of demand. That was the thing. He was having a lot of leads coming in. So there's the ability to kind of not worry as much that you could lose a few and just test. Let's test a little higher. So then he ended up at 36 weddings that year for an average of 2000 to $2,300. But there's the trajectory that a lot don't, they skip over. They try to already be because people are shaming them into, you need to charge more. You need to double your rates. You need to do this. You need to do that. So they're trying to charge two or $3,000 and they've only done three weddings. Mm -hmm. And so this is a trajectory that looked like mine and looked like a lot of people who I see. And, and this can accelerate faster than that. Like he could have done 15 weddings that year and eight of them he got $400 for and, and you know, seven of them he, he got five, you know, uh, did for free. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that could have accelerated the process. Just how much effort are you willing or wanting or desiring to actually put in? I mean, that's really the thing. I mean, if you wanted, you could film 35 weddings this year over the next, I mean, we're, we're only in March right now. There's still between, you know, 95% of weddings being on Fridays, but there's still being weddings on, uh, what day did I just say? 95% of weddings being on Saturdays. Saturday. And there's still being a percentage on Fridays and Sundays between now and the end of the year. There are 35 weddings that will happen that you could be at. Now, maybe you get paid or not. That's up for, for grabs, but you could do that. If, if I mean, I've seen people do crazier things in all honesty, um, but there's a, a trajectory that can be a, an average, right? Eight, it's, uh, you know, year one, eight at $400. You know, I did, I did about 12 to 20 my first year and I went to a, one bridal show that I booked him at. This was in 2000.
2005 or 2006, I was at the bridal show in January and I booked almost 15 to 20 weddings at that bridal show, but I was averaging five to $800 and video was not anywhere near what it is today. Um, but then that next year I only booked seven, but I automatically jumped up to a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars. Um, so I, I, I kind of stunted a little bit of my growth cause I went backwards a little bit. I did almost 20 the first year and then I'd only seven the second year cause I jacked my rates way up because I was learning mm-hmm. from other people in the industry telling me, Oh, well, your work's good. You need to charge way more. But I didn't have the confidence with, with, with what I was doing and confidence plays a big factor into charging higher and higher rates. You know, I don't see people who are really, really not confident booking $10,000 projects. Their work, I mean, I've seen people who are really, really confident whose work's not that good book $10,000 projects, but I haven't seen people who are really, really not confident have really, really great work and get 10 grand unless that job's wheeled dealed by somebody else and then they're just handed the $10,000 to, you know, to do it, but they didn't do it themselves. Um, but so anyway, so what, what, where does that all sit with you? What are your thoughts? What are your concerns about doing that? What are you, what are you thinking up as I, again, gave you probably 50 options. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I think I'm, what I've thought from that is just getting out there and really just working hard. And I mean, I love doing it. So I, I've even, I don't mind doing it for cheap and just getting out there and working hard. Um, Cause I, I like what you said, how sometimes you can get shamed into like charging more. Um, I've definitely kind of felt that just from like family and friends where they're like, Oh, like, yeah, you shouldn't be charging more. You're so good, you know, and stuff like that. But like, well, believe think, me, if we do any real quick, if we do anything yeah. beyond this, and I'll just say it anyways, my goal is not to have oneself and just based on those numbers, even my, my goal, though, and it doesn't have to be four years, it can be two, but it's not to have someone charge or do things for free or charge low rates forever. Mm-hmm. It's oh, just no, the yeah. strategy that somebody yeah. who doesn't run a business or doesn't know the process of this is just like, yeah, go charge. You know, I have coffee with your friends over They're like, man, your work looks great. I can't believe you're only charging $500. You can charge more, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then people do believe that God bless them. And, but that's what happens. If you only get five leads over the next year and you don't go out there and seek anything else, let's say you only book one of them. I mean, even if you were doing it for free, you probably wouldn't get all five to say yes. So if you're charging higher mm-hmm. rates, you either might, I mean, I've had people who are like, I haven't gotten a job in six months, but they got 12 leads. But because they were mm-hmm. charging so high rates, they didn't have the confidence. They didn't book anybody. And it's better to be in your early part of your career. It's better to be doing not just something because we've already got past the something for you, right? If you don't know what in the world you want at all, then doing just anything is fine. It's better than doing nothing. But now for you, it's not just something, but the something you want to do. It's better to be doing that than to not be doing it. So I'll stop and let you uh, continue there. I just wanted to say that. Oh, yeah. No, thanks. Uh, No, I was just thinking, like, I just need to get, like, out there and plant as many seeds as I can, I think. That's where a good starting point is, at least for the next, like you said, 12, 24 months. And I think it will just hopefully, like, naturally build because of all the seeds I'm planting. You know, like, I like – I've listened to – I think I listened to like half of it. I don't think I finished it, but you like kind of wrote a book, I think like the, yeah, the audio book thing. Yeah. The, the audio, audio book book. one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. And we talked about a lot of like imperfect actions, Yep. you know, just For like sure. going out and doing it, which I, I yep. could see 
how you were saying to do that with like 30 to second clips. Like it's not a perfect little video, but you're just making these little clips for vendors, planting seeds here and there everywhere you can and just trying to get your name and reputation and personality out there, I guess. Um, yes, you're yeah. 100% correct. Yeah. 100% correct. And and you mentioned personality and don't mm-hmm. ever, I mean, I, I'm saying this now, part of it's for me to continue to hear from my, <laughs> my own self uh, because I had heard it for years, but I rejected it. I really didn't ever receive the love and the caring and the admiration that people were giving me. I mean, I was receiving, oh, you're such a nice person and your energy is infectious. And that they were saying all these kind things to me, but I just thought, okay, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just, I didn't, I didn't take a course. I didn't go to school. I didn't read a book on being a nice person. Like I just, I grew up that way. I guess my parents, you know, ultimately, you know, I, I just you treat somebody how you want to be treated. You, or, you know, I want to, I want to be, treated nicely. I treat people nicely. I, I care about people. Um, I'm doing things I love. Like I, I'm not, I don't feel like this is rocket science, but I guess people, well, now I know. So this is how I used to think how I'm kind of speaking was like, Oh, I don't know. Now I see very clearly that unfortunately a lot of people, so let's use your uh, electric company for a second. Um, they're doing things, even if they're self-employed or they're trying to do their own thing, they're still doing things they're not excited about. And then the longer they do those they're not excited about, the more and more they show up in not a very great way. Like they just, mm-hmm. they're not enthusiastic. They're not excited. Friendly, they don't care. They're impersonable. Um, and so people in this world experience a lot more people who don't have passion, who are quote unquote, the walking dead. Like they're going through the motions of doing things because they don't feel like they have another option. And so mm-hmm. me, I've always showed up with this zest for life. And that, and I show up that for people. So even when I did the electric company, sure. I'm sure when you're on site and some things you didn't, you weren't hating it. You weren't miserable or anything necessarily. And you did your best to interact with the people, but that was probably the most joyful part of the experience. Um, Mm -hmm. And so no matter what I've done, as long as there's human beings involved, when I interact with those human beings, I will be friendly. Um, Unless I'm on the very, very rare day (laughs) where I am definitely you know, having a moment, (laughs) they have far less than they may be used to, but as a whole, I still would be a person. And even if I was having that day, uh, that's why I'm saying rare moment as in I might have bad days, but if I still had to show up to do something, it would be very rare that I would treat somebody poorly. Even if I was in an irritated or upset or unhappy mode, or I'm not wanting to be there. If I'm with people, um, I, I just, I, I'm going to treat them kindly. Like I'm going to treat them with respect. And so your personality, though, is going to be one of your biggest differentiators, one of your biggest selling points. And I didn't get that um, until uh, I wouldn't say it was too late because it's never too late because now I get it. And I'm, I'm, I'm aware and conscious of it for what I'm doing today with coaching. Um, but in video, I thought it was the video, which is why. In coaching, I struggled for years and years and years. Why? Because I had nothing to point at anymore. With video, I'm like, they'd say all those nice things about me. And I thought, oh, you just want the video. Like, I mean, that's great. I'm part of that process. But the video is what you're paying for with me. You're not buying Michael Gavin. I mean, yeah, I make the video. But like, lots of people make video. You just happen to want me to make the video. And I'm making a video. But with coaching, it became, I can't point at an external thing. 
it's invisible, mm-hmm. right? And and the thing that I've been bringing up, there's a lady that I know that been going through a lot of chemo. She was in around a lot of radiation for years, being in, in cancer treatment centers and whatnot. And she posted a picture not too long ago of a hand that was mutilated. And it was from way back in the day when radiation and x-rays were brand new. When they started up this machine, this person would put their hand under the machine to test it out every day. Well, her point was, just because it's invisible doesn't mean it's not there. And you mentioned mi- missions. I don't know on the call while you're recording or not, but you know, you're know you obviously spiritual. So mm-hmm. there's a faith that you have. For on certain levels, some could argue something you haven't seen, but something that you believe and something that you feel and something that you know, right? But you have a faith. And so mm-hmm. to me, that in general and your essence, your presence, your personality, your energy, your vibe, these things that at times can be invisible, you can't just point at it, are very, very, very powerful. And so don't ever underestimate your power of just you as a human being without your camera, without your gimbal, your glide cam, your whatever it is you're using, you know, without your videos, you as a person are valuable without any of those things and without any of those external deliverables to point at. And when you own that um, and just show up in your full authentic self and your full being you and just, you know, not having any shame that you have this just energy and zest for getting to show up to this person's live event and, and tell their story and, 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 and get to capture their joy and their tears and their emotions. Like that is a powerful, powerful thing that these people will be able to have for the rest of their life. And if anything, if anyone yourself or anyone listening, that is how what I just said to you is what I would say to a couple when they talk to me. I wouldn't sell the, I have package A, B, and C, and it's one camera, two camera, three camera, and four hour, five hour. What you just experienced mm-hmm. on today's call is no different than I would talk to a couple. Mm-hmm. I didn't, sure, I, and I think I said that on the page. There's, if you wanted any continued things, we could talk about it. But if this was a non-recorded call and you called about coaching, I would have talked to you the exact same way today. When people talk to me about booking a wedding, they get to the end of the call and go, holy cow, this is fantastic. Now, what exactly do you like? How, what, 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 what do you offer and how much does it cost? Because I would talk to them for an hour and I wouldn't, I would, I would get so into the conversation. I would get so into the passion. I would get so into that documentation and telling their story and how I love doing it and other people I've done it for and how do they meet that I, an hour would pass and it was like, oh my gosh, it's been an hour already. And then they, you know, they might have to be like, I really got to go, but I, I really potentially want to book you. But like, now what does it look like to actually book you? Because uh-huh. I, I don't care about tactics. I don't care about the cameras. I don't care about the packages. And in my prime of my career, I had one package. I showed up or I didn't. There wasn't, I mean, I would figure out whether I sometimes would bring four people to the wedding. Um, sometimes it was just, I mean, 99% of the time it was always me and another person. I don't, I can't even think of a wedding I shot a hundred percent by myself. I could have, but I usually always had at least one person with me. Um, but it was just like, I just wanted to show up. I didn't want to be limited by, oh, well, the couple really only wanted, they, they think they only need five hours. So they booked a five hour package and I'll just do that. It's like, because what was happening is I'd still show up at nine o'clock in the morning and I wouldn't leave till 10 PM because mm-hmm. I wanted to make the best video I could. And with them limiting me to showing up an hour before their ceremony and leaving right after the reception started, I couldn't do that. 
So what did I do? I did it anyways. So I just, I got paid. They paid for my cheap package. (laughs) I still got the Holy Grail. So I finally got to a place where I'm like, there's only going to be a Holy Grail. There's only going to be one option. And my confidence was through the roof. I knew that I just wanted to rock it for couples. And I didn't want to be limited by myself allowing myself to be limited because it's like, I want to create a cheap package, a middle package, an expensive package. And, you know, hopefully I'll capture some, it's like throwing a big net out there and hopefully I capture somebody, I, you know, mm-hmm. but it was good to go through that journey. Um, but I'm just saying that your personality is a big thing. And just if anybody, you know, listening to yourself, it's like serving is, is for me just being an advocate for that person, like and and not they don't need to book you, but just um, knowing that you know they want to book somebody that has this fire and zest and really loves doing this. Or would you rather book the person who hopes to get out of weddings in the next eight months because it's not what they really want to do? They'd rather be doing X. Um, I'd rather have the person. In fact, I don't know if you saw the video. Um, but uh, he's pretty active and full-time filmmaker. But Adam Grumbo posted a video of kind of like why I'm a wedding videographer, wedding filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you see that by chance? I did, yeah. Okay. So if I had not known one iota, in fact, Adam, if you ever listens to this, uh, appreciate it. I met him originally at a wedding I filmed for my friend. Uh, he was also there filming. Uh, but, you know, his overall normal personality isn't like ours. Like he has a more introverted personality. At least that's what I thought and what I experienced. But that video showed a side of him that I didn't know, didn't see in other ways that I'm like, if I was getting married, I want that guy to film my wedding. I didn't even see a wedding video. I mean, he was showing things in Africa and all over with kids and it was all these things, but he had this, his face and the, in the message that he said, like, Oh man, this guy loves this. And in the wedding industry, you don't see that a lot. I see a lot more people who go, you know, I'm doing weddings. I mean, it's where you start. You know, you start filming weddings. You do them. You know, I'm going to have to do them for a few years. But I really want to get to this. If you already know you really want to get to this, I don't suggest anybody. I mean, yeah, weddings can be a great, like, for sure. They can be a learning ground. But, like, I don't know. I just, uh, anything takes effort on some level. And I think it's a false belief that if you think you're going to have an exit strategy before you've entered, that you're going to do well in something, it's just false. I, I think mm-hmm. that uh, it's difficult to do well at something that you don't want to do and you already know you don't want to do it. Um, versus people, yeah, you might want to, like I, I did have a falling, like everything I've done has led me to where I want to spend 80% of my time in conversation with somebody like yourself right now. Not have this conversation and then have to run around with my camera because I wasn't a creative from the heart to begin with. It kind of fell into my lap. I didn't know any better. I had no other things. And I feel like to get to the place I am with doing what I'm doing with you right now, all these things had to happen. So I don't regret any of it. I don't think it could have happened any other way. Um, But the more and more I did work like this, the more and more I knew that the work that I needed to do needed to be spending the majority of my time doing this, not you know, when I'm at an event, I have little glimpses of interactions and glimpses of, of, of being with the people and talking, but I'm spending 90% of my time running around with the camera. And I had lost my passion for that part of it and wanted to spend all my time with people and interacting. And so that's just what had happened to me. I didn't hate the weddings or think they were horrible. In fact, in full transparency, I mean, out of all the things I did, um, still to this day, after everything I've now experienced, weddings were 
where I've made some of my best friends and um, some of the most, I mean, it's one of the most joyous days of someone's life, you know? So what mm-hmm. better thing to film than a wedding? I mean, whereas a lot of conferences, I mean, I filmed a lot of joyful conferences, but I've also filmed a lot of things where people like <laughs> they're dead there, you know, just sitting for three days <laughs> in a conference room, um, you know, bored out of their mind sometimes. And so, whereas a wedding, there's just an energy and a, and a love and a passion and so seeing that thing from Adam and that's where, because his personality and his love and his joy was infectious in that video. And that's what you more than anything or any tactic is show up, do what you love in the area. So right now we're saying it's weddings and events, you know, in that world, show up and do that and, and do it with all your heart and your passion and your love and your enthusiasm. And uh, yeah, it, it will much quicker than any other way or being distracted with a little corporate job here and there because everything takes your mental space. Everything takes up your energy. So every time you do things that drain you is five things that wouldn't that you don't get to do because negative energy and draining things, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, when you say yes to something you don't want to do, you're, you're saying no to something you could have wanted to do. Um, and so just keep that in mind as you're moving forward, the more, yes, you can take that imperfect action and, uh, something I've even started to shift. I mean, that book serves its place and has its, that audiobook uh, and that message has really transformed my life and those of others, but some things have happened. I won't go into now where, uh, in, in January of this year of 2020, I, I shifted it to massive inspired action because imperfect that kind of get it going throw things at the wall, try things, don't worry about being perfect. Uh, you know, you just, it's better to do it than to not. And perfection is an illusion, you know, all that. It's, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. But for me, that next stage became be at peace, be calm, um, be able to listen to God, spirit, whatever it is that your beliefs are, and be able to hear those inspired thoughts that come to your mind or to your heart or to your um, you know, to your intuition and take those actions. So now you don't have to be as manic and crazy and hard and effort and it's heavy, but rather be inspired. What's that, what's that call you need to make? What's that email you need to send? Who's that pe- person you need to talk to? And then taking those inspired, you know, steps and actions. Um, so anyways, um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. So sorry, I'm writing. Well, I'm writing That's cool. Well, any uh, go on and on and on. I, time time flies by. What are <laughs> other? I'm 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 loving the the whole thing here, and hopefully you're getting a lot out of this. Is there is there mm-hmm. any other um, thoughts or things that are popping up for you in this moment? Any inspired uh, inspired things that you're you're thinking about that we could uh, finish up here on? Mm-hmm you might be worried about or um um let's see i don't know um i think the biggest thing i'm working on right now is just trying to figure out like what is my style like what is Mm, but does that just come over time i i do believe that that's where again right it's better it's better Mm -hmm. for you this coming year to find as many weddings as you can right now to do because you know the area. So now it's not again, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, spending the time in these other areas. You don't know, you know, you don't really want to be in. So now it's like, Mm -hmm. now we know the area we want to be in. So now we got to do as much as we can. Right. If you think of a great musician, um, their style even changes over time. Right. You know, you see some people, it's like, 
if you've liked people who've been around for 10 or 20 years, I mean, they've gone through all sorts of evolutions through time. And they might have these seasons that could be a couple of years where they have a style, but then they shift and they change. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was from jamming on the guitar 500,000 times or writing, you know, 5,000 songs that, you know, they even find that hit as well. So to me, there is a level of frequency to just one, learn something. And even with your pricing, I mean, it's a lot easier. I mean, although you could achieve this at any point in your life, whether you have a lot of demand or not, it does make it a heck of a lot easier with pricing to command more when you know that there's a high demand for what you do and there's low volume for what, you know, there's low availability. Um, mm-hmm. But if, if you're sitting here and getting five leads in three months, um, you know, you're really worried about potentially booking that job. <laughs> you're like, I don't mm-hmm. know when the next lead will come. I haven't had one in five months, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But so to me, that's why just getting out there and meeting people. And even if you're doing some and you might find, I mean, very quickly, I mean, not everybody, I, I'm just a little bit more weird when I'm the one offering up the stuff about automatically charging. But most people, when they start to reach out to you, don't automatically assume that you're going to do things for free. Um, so once, you know, you start getting out there and doing some of these like same day edits or these certain things and people start reaching out to you. They're not going to be an assumptiveness of like she's doing this wedding for free or she did such and such as wedding for free. I made the most money I had ever made off the events and conferences, non-weddings, when the 10 videos on the front page of my website, eight of them I did for free. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew. I mean, it, well, people aren't sitting here comparing notes and going, oh, Michael did that for you for free. He needs to do that for me for free. Um, those were my choices to go out there and do the things I did for free. The free ones were liberating because there was a lack of uh, responsibility, a lack of pressure. There was just lack of all the things that are negative at times when we do get paid. And so when you're lacking that confidence, that's why when you don't know what your style is, when you haven't found that groove, when you don't even know if you can pull it off, right? I'm not saying that you're going to totally screw it up, but at times when you haven't done that many, it's difficult for one to be like, yeah, it's $3,000. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, whereas the more you do, you start to, you know, run into things. You're like, oh, I've seen that before. Boom. And you can fix it in a second versus it taking you a half hour because you've never experienced it before. And now maybe you've missed shots because you've only used your camera a few times and something happened weird with it that you've never seen before. And I'm not saying that you haven't filmed, you can't have filmed 200 weddings and have something weird happen. But by the time you film 200 weddings, you still are probably going to be able to figure out that little issue a heck of a lot faster and or it really won't happen because I'd have grooms that would go, why are you putting two mics on me? Well, mm-hmm. well, the main audio that we have is only going to happen once. And mm-hmm. yes, unfortunately, in the past, somebody only had one mic on them and I didn't get it because that thing malfunctioned or whatever, you know. And so that's where I'd rather have some of those issues happen when I am not getting paid as much or when I'm doing it for free. And free at times allows a lot more of, of, of that freedom and flexibility again to just do. Cause I mean, quite frankly, yeah, if I'm not getting paid at all, I, not that I'm not collaborative at all, but you have very little say if you're not paying me any money, <laughs> uh, you know, whereas, yeah, when, when people start to pay you money, I mean, on certain levels, yeah, they, they are, they are the client, you know, they are giving you the money. And even though I've been very blessed through the years to where then uh, and I don't think I said this earlier about demo reels, but when you have demos and you lack showing final products, uh, you can really cause issues with uh, managing expectations with clients because they don't know what a final product looks like. That's why I got away yeah. from, because my final products weren't an hour long or 
30 minutes long and they were all two or three minutes, they're able to see consistently, okay, wedding video after wedding video after wedding video if they want. And now all of a sudden it's like you kind of have an expectation on certain levels of what you're going to get. And so you're not going, oh, my gosh, like that wasn't what I expected because you saw a demo that had five weddings spliced together of the most epic shots you could possibly get and to one video and then they see a final wedding and it's not quite as epic as they thought that the demo reel was because now you know you're not filling it with nothing but epic shots you have some other shots that might be less than epic um and so when they're able to see consistently final products they have an expectation uh of what they may get or a version of what it may look like um and that's why it's important to just get out there in the beginning and do the work and experiment and you'll find a groove that doesn't mean that groove won't change over time to some degrees for sure but that um you do get more confident i think it's more the confidence than anything else cuz you could have somebody who you have developed the style and now you're talking to this just epic couple and you're having a conversation. You're like, you know what guys, I just want to bring this up. I'm more than happy to edit you guys, what you've seen from me, but there's been something that's been, and this is a couple that's going to be willing to pay you $3,500. What I'm about to say as well, you've done years. People really want you. They love style that they've seen from you now, but you have something you want to experiment with. And you tell this couple, you go, you know what, I'm going to do what you want, but, or what I you're expecting, maybe you've even seen me do, but I've got something I'd love to test out on you guys. I've got this concept or this idea or this thing I want to experiment with. What do you think? And they're going to go, oh my gosh, of course, we'd love for you to do that. And I, I had that through my career where I got paid well. I did what I was kind of expected to do, but I had an idea and I'm like, this couple is awesome. Either it was a, a song I was waiting to use where I'm like, okay, you guys are the couple Here's some things I think I want to try to, some shots I want to try to get this day. You know, most couples, they don't really, you know, they might not be as, you know, you guys sound just really experimental. So I, I feel like you, and they, and they just, they feel really special about that too, you know? Um, and that, that works out really well. But I, I like also managing an expectation, right? It's better to do that because if you've got a couple who's like not that way and they've seen all your work and all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to do this whole video in black and white and in reverse and this crazy contemporary style of music. And you decide to make that the deliverable for your couple. And you had zero conversation with them about it. And your last 40 videos looked a certain way. You're rolling the dice that they may or may not be happy. They may love it and go, Oh my God, I can't believe this. We're so happy. Or they might be like, um, what is this? <laughs> this is not what we thought like you were going to do. Um, so, you know, but that's just some of the things that can happen, but yeah, right now for sure, yeah. it's just, it's just getting out there and, uh, and experimenting. I, I think that that's the blessing and the curse of the internet right now is that, uh, it can cause paralysis because you see so many different things and styles and way you could do it. And you just don't know. And then it causes this, I don't know what to do. So then you might not do anything. And that's where imperfect action comes along in a big way, because mm-hmm. it's like, again, it's better to to experiment and try and test. And then when you have things that work, maybe you tweak a little bit and do more of it. But some of the things you might toss, there's like, that didn't work at all. Um, but it, it, it's good to do that. But for me, I'm glad I started my company when I really had basically my mom cleaned houses and she had somebody that got married and had a DVD and I looked at it and that's how I modeled my first wedding video. <laughs> um, I didn't have 80,000 options to pick from to be very like confused about what's the right way or the best way or the way I should do it. And if you get to the point in the audiobook where I talk about my way, 
Mm-hmm. It's when I had done a lot of things and I found out, okay, I don't care. I'm not going to do this wedding and use the song that this person used and try to mock shot by shot by shot what they did. I mean, that's how I built my career a little bit. I literally would find videographers as it did start to percolate up. I'd find videographers I was inspired by. I'd use the same songs they used and shot by shot. I would try to recreate the way they shot a wedding. And then what did that make me? Just like everybody else. And it wasn't until I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm not going to pay any attention to what anybody else does anymore. I'm going to edit, dress, speak, shoot, pick out the songs and do everything my way. And not an arrogant, cocky, screw you kind of way, but a way that's like, if I'm going to serve you at the highest level, the most creative level, my best work were the ones that I just did my thing, but I didn't have the confidence for a while to do that. And around 2010, I was about to give up and I was so like just done with it all that I said, I'm just going to do it my way. And that was when some of this confidence, you know, shine through with the couples and, and it spoke volumes to it because now I wasn't just a person going, Oh, you like that video? Or even having some other video, like somebody showing you, Oh, can you do what this guy does? Right. That's kind of a shot in the, gut to, to a certain extent to just have somebody go, hey can you do with this other person we can't get them or can't afford them so can you make what they make and you're like sure i'll try to emulate this other person versus somebody going i love you Kristen, and i love what you do and i love your style and i just want you to do your thing like, that is the biggest reward for a creative for somebody to just go i love what you do just do you um, yeah. but you got to start to figure out how to be doing you all along the way and then more and more that will happen all the time for you. Um, and you'll be able to just you know, be 100% authentically you all the time versus it's not that you can't be, but because your confidence might be low in the beginning, you'll be more willing to give in to people's demands and requests. And can you do something like this and that? And, and they, it's, it less feels like you just being to be this creative person, but it's because just what we're talking about here, you haven't been out there enough to develop a reputation for any kind of style or for anything else. And so um, that's when people make a lot more requests of you until what I find is at times throughout your career, you want to accommodate at times those requests while simultaneously doing the thing you want, because what you, you want to do is always show what you want because every time you show things you don't, somebody could see it and want you to do it. So it doesn't mean in the beginning you don't always do that, but let's say you edited a video one way and the couple hacksawed it to high heaven and back and had you make something else that you're not proud of. You show off the video you were proud of. You give the couple theirs. Now, sure, people could see that but and maybe come requests from you. But that's where more and more that you start to go, this is the thing I want to do. The more and more you'll be able to hold those conversations and go, yeah, well, because I even talked bad about myself. Like when I got to the peak of my career, I was literally – Shaming my old self (laughs) for all intents and purposes. Like, well, yeah, I used to have three packages. Like, I wouldn't say it about other people. I would just be like, I used to have three packages. People could book me for anything. And I'd say all these things and I'd say, but what I found was I didn't create my best work that way. And here's the key to that Does somebody really want to hire somebody who's not going to do their best work? If I want you and I'm telling you, I saw such and such or I want you to do this, and you're able to say, well, here's all these videos. Did you like those? Like, oh my God, I love those videos. Well, those videos that you saw that I mentioned, that's how I create my best work. So people used to say to me, well, wouldn't it be better if you had more than three hours to do the same day edit, you know, to do your editing? Like, makes sense that you didn't make a lot better edit if you had months to work on it or weeks or, you know, 10 hours. Mm-hmm. And for years I'd go, 
Well, yeah, that makes sense, right? I mean, our world says the harder you work, the more hours you put in, the more better something is. Well, so for years, I would go, yeah, that makes sense. And, of course, nobody would pay me extra money for my same-day edit, which all my peers said I needed to charge for. You need to charge for that same-day edit. It's valuable. So I tried to charge them $800 extra on top of my normal packages. No one would pay me for it. I mean, some did, but most didn't. And that's because I had no confidence around it. It was a new thing. People didn't understand it. They would be like, why would we want to show it that day? Just making sense. Especially the ones who didn't experience it. Guess what? The people who did <laughs> never questioned it. They're like, I want that thing. That was awesome. Um, but yeah. for the people who didn't, they'd be like, I don't get it. I don't know why, blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, yeah, you're probably right. And then I, I would just do it anyways because I couldn't convince them. And I'm like, so am I supposed to deprive myself and them because I didn't have the, the words or the confidence to convince them? So I just do it anyways. Um, but then it became to a point where I could talk to a couple or meet with a couple in person. And when they would say those same things to me, because it didn't go away, I changed. And rather than them saying, wouldn't it be better if you have more than three hours? Me going, yeah, you're probably right. I'd go, here's what I can tell you. Can't fully explain this. It's still a little odd. But for me personally, I make my best work. And I do the same be at it. Maybe other people or other videographers or other people you'll talk to. For them, and I can tell you this is truth because I've talked to some, some of them are going to go, that is the worst thing. And, you know, because for them, they can't make a great edit in three hours. They need three weeks or three months or 30 hours to, to craft the video. So for them, they're going to tell you that somebody who spends three hours, they can't possibly make the best video in three hours. What I'm telling you is because that's how they're wired. They're a person who needs all that time and under pressure, they don't perform best. Whereas for me, through all my time, I've seen that the best videos I make are when I'm under pressure the day of your wedding in those two or three or four hours that I need to put the video together. Once I leave, for me. So if you really want me, that's how I operate. I'm like, because once I leave, I'm honestly not as excited to work on your video. I hate to say that, but it's the truth. Like, I just don't have the drive and the passion to put that edit together as I do that day. But that yeah. honesty, that radical honesty with people made them go, hell yes. Like they were excited about that because you know what? Most people do not stand up for themselves. They are the person who did what I did and goes, yeah, it probably would be better if I had more. So why would you want to hire? Why would you want to pay 800 bucks? Why would you want to pay anything for something when somebody goes, yeah, you're probably right. I probably do need 10 hours to work on the video to make a better video versus me saying what I just said. And I've, once I've gotten to that place in my career and anything I've done, that's when business takes off. That's when I get paid more money because People want that kind of radical honesty. They want people to stand for something. You know, when people are just kind of limp, you know, they're a limp noodle about things and they're just kind of like, eh, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, I'll do anything you want. That's fine. You know, you, you go through the motions of things. It's like, then guess what? You're just like anybody else. And if you're just like anybody else, why would I pay a premium for something that I can get from 10 other people? But when I speak that way to someone, guess what? They go and talk to 10 other people. They sure don't talk to 10 other people that sound like that because my experience, especially in years of coaching and years of being around other people and having clients tell me, I have gotten clients who literally hired me, who basically told me my work wasn't as good as a person they just had. They didn't hire me because my work wasn't as good as the person they just had. They hired me because the person they just had had a bad attitude, bad personality, took forever to do what they did, didn't have any passion, blah, 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 blah. And so that is a defining factor. When you can have that, people don't experience that every day. They experience people who are ho-hum, 
don't have a lot of passion, don't have a lot of enthusiasm and are going through the motions. And I sure in my own life, I'm not going to pay a premium for people who don't really care. That's why Adam Grumbo, I go, I'd pay for that guy. I don't even know what his wedding videos look Mm -hmm. like. I'd pay for him because of that passion, that love and going, I do weddings because I love weddings. Not because I do them because it's the only thing I can do or, you know, it's a building block so I can get to something else. It's like, I am a wedding videographer. And I get emotional, like thinking about that, I get emotional when I saw that. And that's, you can have that today. That's why cutting out electric videos and these other kind of things and leaning into what you already know lights your soul on fire and having, you can already, you don't even have to have done 50 electric videos. You can already talk to a couple and say, you know what I did? some electric videos and corporate things. And I figured out in my life that working with a couple and the joy that you have on that day, and I could go on and on and on. It's like, that's my love. That's my passion. And so rather than do all these other things that I could do, I do this because I love working with people and I love working with people on the most, you know, magical day of their life. Come on now. Like, I mean, that, that is, is a powerful thing that the people going through the motions that might be cheaper or whatever, won't have. And that's that compelling point that you can bring to your conversations that doesn't have to be about how do I sell them? How do I have packages? How do I have all these? Like that stuff can all come. You know, I work with people all the time on on those kind of things. Those things are a lot easier. It's the getting out there, doing the work right now, having passion, enthusiasm around it and finding your sweet spot. The pricing can all fall into place once you once you get those things going, um, and you'll be able to keep ra- raising your rates, and you can go as high or as low as as, as you want to go eventually. And so, um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, uh, that was really helpful. I definitely learned a lot in this session, so I really appreciate it. Thank you. Cool. All right. Well, rock and roll. <laughs>